0: You're tuning in to The Edge Podcast. The theme of this week is organization. Before we get started, ask yourself, what am I doing right now to get The Edge? Grab your earbuds, put your dance shoes on, because this one's a banger. Let's get started.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another weekly episode of the Edge Podcast. How are you doing today, Jacob? Pretty good. You? Pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, been a pretty busy week, getting kind of like amped up to start production. So a lot of things going on, but overall, the week's been like pretty good so far. Um, How about yourself? How is like production kind of going? I know you started it last week. So how's that kind of started off for you?
0: good it's uh you know it's actually been a pretty chill week for me um like the the crew that i started last week kind of picked things up pretty quickly and uh you know i haven't really been uh, having to be on job sites very quick very much and uh that is not super typical for uh for for when you start like you don't usually get to get off job sites that quickly but uh I mean, luckily, one of the one of the painters I started was like a returner, so um, they had experience and they were kind of able to help with the training part. Um, but the other guy just kind of picked it up pretty quickly, and uh, so yeah, it's been it been a pretty chill week and just kind of gearing up to start my next crew.
1: Yeah, it's always nice to have like returning painters because they you know they know how the job site works and they understand the pace that needs to kind of be done, and it's nice too because. If the other painters kind of like slacking a bit they're they're able to you know pick up the slack a little bit with regards to the actual uh, efficiency so yeah that's awesome yeah generally like a first week you're typically there like here and there making sure things are going smooth so it's definitely nice that you well yeah had to.
0: typically like what you spend like a, a decent amount of a full day the first day with them um like half to a full day in and out. And, uh, and then you're kind of just, yeah, back and forth quite a bit, you know, cause you want to make sure that they're doing things right. And just checking in and, and making sure every time they do something new, like they're there, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely helpful having somebody else, uh, who's, who's kind of that. It's also good for clients. Cause I think clients can kind of sense when like a painter has kind of like, you know, knows what's what kind of thing. Um, and I think that's kind of another thing is she, She's very experienced with with clients, right? She knows how to talk to people. So, um, you know, today she picked up the check and everything. So it's, like, it's pretty nice to have that in the first week.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's really nice to, like, delegate stuff as quickly as possible. Obviously, like, you want to make sure they feel comfortable and they know what they're doing before you do it. But, yeah, that's nice because, like, you – if it was an interior, um, you don't really have to go back there if you don't have to pick up ladders. So yeah, it just makes your job a little bit easier. It makes you – uh, a little bit more available to do like everything else that you really need to do.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, I mean, again, it's just like you know, even even if you're close to your area like me, it's still like another uh, half an hour to forty five minutes, you know, out of your way. Plus, you know, I, I don't know, like whenever you pick up a check, it's it's almost never just picking up a check. It's like you usually get into a conversation with the person, and it always takes longer than like you're kind of expecting, right? So just not having that. And not that I don't like talking to people, but like, you know, <laughs> it's just like time and uh, I don't really want to do it. And so
1: it's all, always the older clients that get you to like, you show up and like, are you happy? They're like, yeah, your painters were great. And and then they start talking about like their grandchild or something. And then yeah. you're, you're, you don't want to leave that conversation, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it definitely like they can be time wasters. Those Those end of the job conversations. I mean, it's good to obviously make sure they had a A positive experience and that they they're still super happy with you but yeah it's definitely nice when your painter can pretty much start their themselves and and paint it pick up the check and then like you can always just give them a call and just say hey like everything goes smooth yeah awesome
0: yeah exactly yeah so uh so that's good and uh kind of being there already with one crew is great uh one weekend and uh yeah i mean they're beating budgets uh already and they're you know, like materials are being uh, allotted properly. So like making pretty good money. So it's, it's all like, it's all just going smoothly. Yeah. I was
1: going to ask you, like, how's their efficiency been like breaking down the first week? Like, were they hitting budgets, beating budgets the first day or like, did they, were they behind budgets? Um, And if they were behind budgets, like how did you kind of explain to them how that whole process was going to kind of work for you?
0: Yeah. Well, so the first day they were actually behind budget by a decent amount, uh, or the first job. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I just kind of explained to them, you know, like that, uh, the, the thing with piecework is, you know, it, you're, you're going to be able to make this up. Right. And, uh, obviously the returning banner is super easy to explain that to them. They understand that. Um, I think she was a little frustrated cause uh, that, that first day, cause, um, I think she did the bulk of it. And like the reason they weren't, on budget was because of uh, the new guy but again so it was his first time painting and you know that's to be expected by the end of the job he was really doing things well and he was kind of picking up the pace and then this week um you know we've done two jobs and they've uh, they, they've beaten the budget on both of them and uh, if i add up all the hours this payroll so including that first job from last week uh they've worked 71 hours total and they're getting paid for 78. So they're about 110 percent at this point. Yeah, just, that's crazy for a first week. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And like piece rate, you know, obviously you have that ability to make it up like throughout the summer, even through in one payroll, right? Like, I've plenty of uh, I've had plenty of times where you know job didn't really go right. Maybe there was a bunch of extra touch-ups or whatever. Uh, a crew like didn't hit the budget kind of thing, but then the next job they just crush the budget, and it's like okay, so it just makes up for itself. So.
1: Yeah, it's difficult to, like, understand that, especially as, like, a rookie, because if your people are behind budget, A, like, it's very frustrating, because, like, it kind of throws your schedule out. Um, It's important to always, like, kind of take a look at it, though, and, like, really step back and understand that, like, it's still their first week. Sometimes they're not going to be able to hit, like, what a standard painter could in their very first couple days. Um, But also being able to, like, positively uh, explain to the painter that, hey, like, for this job, like you're only going to be getting paid like on a piece rate system like 12.50 an hour but you know because of this project like you guys were like 5 hours ahead so you're getting paid like 19 an hour on this project let's say so like it actually equals out to like your your typical wage which is fantastic and now that you've kind of got the inefficiency out of the way now like the rest of the summer we can start like kind of crushing budgets and i think if you can like positively and um i guess confidently kind of explain that process to people um, no one's going to really have questions they're just going to be excited to start beating budgets if, if it's kind of like shady they don't really get why they're not getting paid like minimum wage or above especially when you've kind of built up this great image of piecework in their head um, it can definitely go like self pretty quickly
0: yeah and and i think uh, another big thing is like um you know i i, I know people will feel differently about this but like I personally tend to uh, as soon as like my painters are behind on budget I, I will usually like assume it's something that I've done wrong so like maybe I misquoted it or something so I definitely have like this urge in me every time they're behind on budget to add hours to the job um, because like I kind of feel bad but um, again like it's it was their first day it was the one guy's first day he's never painted before so you know of course they were behind by a little bit but uh, you know I picked it up pretty quick and you know hours even themselves out, right? And uh, and that's the benefit. And now they can really just keep crushing it for the rest of the year and you know, they're not even going to remember that one job that they didn't beat the budget on. So, I think like similarly to how you have to stand behind your price on a job, you also have to stand behind like how many hours you've quoted for a job because you know, there's there's a variety of reasons why they might be, might be behind on budget. Like it could just be one of those days where they're just kind of screwing around and not like it, you know, you know what I mean? Like those days happen right and uh, good painters like for me in the past they've always been able to make those days up so I think just getting over that urge is super important
1: yeah and I mean the worst thing is when like a painter questions you about your budget yeah um I've had it happen and I mean what you can always kind of explain to your painters in that instance is like hey like I didn't make up these numbers you know the company made up these numbers 150 people across western canada use these exact same standards it's not just something i look at and go i think that's going to take an hour for you to finish so like if again if you can confidently explain to them like why the budget is correct um that helps but you know always being like a good support system as to like why didn't you hit the budget and you know maybe it was your problem maybe like you forgot to add time to like access that really high fascia and it was like much more difficult than a simple
0: ladder or or you didn't teach them something like uh like literally the other day uh and and again like this is uh just a stepping stone but uh, i dropped a multi-way off at the job site and um and then i left and they called me like 10 minutes later and they were like hey like you didn't actually show us like how to use this thing and i was like oh right like (laughs) multi-ways are kind of weird you know you kind of got to um and it's just like not something i thought of you know like i just thought oh here you go like (laughs) use it so i had to like go back so it's like little things like that sometimes especially if you've been doing it like little things that are simple and and like you, you think are like like no question kind of thing if you've never done it before it's like you know so we can definitely forget that and that might be an example of where you might have gone wrong personally on the, on the project. So,
1: well, it's very difficult to like unlearn things, you know, like once you've like become very good and very structured at doing something, it's very hard to like take it back to the basics and like remember every single small thing that like led you to understand everything. Yeah. It's so, like, even in painting, like when you're training someone, you have to like really break it down to like bare bones of like, we do this and that's why. And like we do this and that's why. And we put holes in the can. So it drains back into the can. And like, this is how we pour paint. Like, So many simple things that, like, could be messed up and, like, create, like, cleaning issues or or time restraint issues. Uh, Yeah, there's definitely, like, a lot that kind of leads to that. And, I mean, that's all going to factor into your budget. So kind of being able to, like, figure out um, if they are behind budget, why, and and help improve that or fix that or change it or properly teach them what they kind of need to know to be able to do it right the next time. Um, My first year, my production manager, Natasha, she would always um your second year second year yeah <laughs> um she would always uh, be like ridiculously behind budget if we were on window frames i don't know why but um i just figured she was slow at painting window frames and when i like actually kind of sat there watched her came by the site to kind of see if i can improve things um, i just realized that she was like prepping a window super inefficiently so i didn't teach her to like uh, set your ladder up and then take up your scraper, your sandpaper, your caulking, and your primer all at once. So, like, she was kind of like going up and then scraping it and sanding it and then coming down and then like, getting the caulking, going back up, caulking it, going back down, taking the primer up. So, instead of just like one simple ladder movement, going up, doing all the four steps of prep, and then moving the ladder to the next side of the window, it was like a four step process. So, obviously, that's adding quite a bit of time. And when we're doing lots of windows, it really adds up. So, by like, Again, simply going there, seeing what it was, actually being able to explain it to her. Um, After that, we didn't have any more issues, and she actually was one of my more efficient painters on Windows. So it was was kind of just as simple as that.
0: Yeah. No, it definitely. I mean, I I had a similar instance, and and yeah, you're right. Like, it's not always a big deal if you do it once, but uh, if you're if you're doing think about if you're doing like twenty ladder placements in a day, you know, and uh, and uh, every time you go up and down the ladder, that's an extra you know, minute, two minutes kind of thing. Well, at the end of the day, like if you're going up the ladder three times per movement, you're basically adding an extra hour to how much like work you're, whereas like if you had just been more efficient, you would have literally cut off an hour from, so yeah, it's simple stuff like that. But uh, but again, like um, super important just to stay behind your hours and understand uh, why, if they're, if they're not hitting budget, why, and being able to improve that. Because, um, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, obviously materials are important to budget, but it's also important to manage your, your labor hours because labor can get out of control pretty quickly and that can really eat into your profit, you know? Yeah. Well, there was this uh,
1: franchise owner last year. um, I think you know him and uh, his labor budget went a little bit over on this full exterior that he was doing um, due to Multiple factors, but I think it was, like, what, 100 hours over? On yeah, labor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because things were being done wrong. And, like, I mean, some issues came up. But, um, again, things can get out of hand, like, pretty quick. So making sure you're obviously kind of, like, tracking those things um, and making sure that your painters obviously know how many hours they have to work with. Yeah. The amount of times that, like, I've talked to people and things are behind
0: budget because their painters don't even know what the budget is. And, and catching things fast is also important. Like if you notice that you're there, they're behind on budget, like do something about it now. Don't wait till the end of the job. Right. Like, um, like if it's like day one of a three day job and they're already behind, you got to fix that right away. Otherwise you're not going to be able to be on schedule for your next job kind of thing. And then that's where things spiral. Right. So, um, and how would you fix something like that? Well, I'd uh, I mean, I'd probably ask them at the end of the day kind kind of what they did and uh, what was going on. Um, but ultimately, I'd, I'd probably just give them a good talking to and say they really need to bring it up for, for the next couple of days. Um, and after I mean usually like again, like if they're still behind budget, then maybe there's more to it than that. But like typically, you know like I said, they have those days where they're just kind of screwing around and not not getting shit done. So it's just important to catch that and make sure you set the tone better for for the following days. Um, I find typically that's the case.
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I think labor is definitely one of those things that's a little um, easier to control because like when we quote something, uh, we say it's going to be 35 hours. And if we tell them you have 35 hours, um, they can kind of keep track of that in their mind. But with something like materials, um, that's something that can make or break quite a few thousands of dollars in your profit at the end of the year um so i think that's a big thing to also track on job sites like how has that been on your first week of production like have you been pretty like confident in your materials price like yeah yeah i mean in like the 10 to 12 percent kind of range
0: yeah it's pretty it's pretty easy after you know you've been doing it for for three years kind of thing um like i i have a pretty good idea i don't even really like you know, obviously we will always want to be doing the 30% thing, but uh, I have a pretty solid idea as to how many gallons we're going to need per kind of, you know, like job. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think my materials in total have been about 7% in the first week here, um, which is pretty solid. Like
1: that's Yeah, that's really low. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice because you don't have a bunch of like extras to purchase at the start of the year, I guess. Like that kind of helps. That's with true. The...
0: I mean, I did buy a crew kit like it's still at 7% no I like I guess when you factor that in it's not quite 7% but (laughs) I don't I mean like purchases like that I kind of write off over time I don't I don't like include it like I wouldn't say like oh that because then my percentage is like you know whatever 20% or something like that I don't know um not quite 20% but uh you know just a lot higher and um I I like to do it by job because there's uh like for me personally like a crew kit's a non-negotiable item. Like, I have an, um, oh, an extra crew, yeah. I need that crew kit. There's nothing I can do about it. There's no way I can get the price down. It is what it is. So, I'm just going to write that o- off over the year, right? Um, or even what do you over mean, like, write it off over the year? Uh, well, on the yellow sheets. Like, um, when you're when you're writing off materials on your yellow sheets, uh, you always put your paints, and you, you put all your receipt into your yellow sheets, right? Um, so, you know, crew kits, 300 bucks. So I would, uh, typically just add whatever, like 1% of a job. So just add an extra percentage point. Um, so whatever 1% of the job is. So we, uh, we just finished a $2,500 job. So 1% is $25. So I just added $25 to, of materials to the cost of the job, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And then
0: that's how I put it into the Simon too.
1: What I kind of do, like, if I have any jobs, let's say, like, we're working on a $2,000 job or something, and, like, our materials budget only, like, comes out to 160 or something. Um, obviously, that's below 10%. So what I do is, like, take that $40 and just, like, bump it up to 10%. And then, like with the crew kit
0: of three hundred, I just like knock forty dollars off. Of it. Yeah, well, that that's kind of what same I'm same idea. Yeah, yeah, same idea. I just I just like to go one percent for for a okay. job um, until I've hit that three hundred bucks. So.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Though that that kind of thing, um, I just like to write off. You know, so when I do it that way, I've, I've it's been about seven percent so far this year. So
1: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very important to keep materials kind of low. Um,
0: it's like the easiest way to, to make like you do a $100,000 business like the difference between 8% and 10% is $2,000. Like that's a decent amount of cash. That's <laughs> a lot, yeah. Right? Especially <laughs> if it's controllable, right? Now 8% is pretty low. Um more like the difference between 10%, which is a pretty healthy materials cost and 15%, which is still healthy but it's you're pushing it a little bit more. You know, that's still 5 grand right there if you're just a little bit better with your materials um some people i know you know like uh have a higher percentage because they have a lot of stucco um like if you're spraying a a ton of stucco constantly then it makes sense that your materials are going to be a bit higher but your labor percentage is probably going to be lower than mine too right so it's in the end like it all balances out it should all balance out to the to the 40 to 45 percent total kind of range yeah Okay, yeah, I mean, I think materials
1: are such a funny topic because uh, me and Connor, like the DM in Edmonton, were comparing paint and supply numbers a couple of years ago, and I think that year my paint was like 8.9%, which is really low. Um, I worked on a lot of like trim jobs and interiors yeah. that year, yeah. so it is going to be a bit lower because we're using quite a bit less product, but I also don't buy a bunch of unnecessary shit. Um, <laughs> so
0: uh, I think I think that year his was like...
1: 20% or something. Well, and, and, and the other
0: the other big <laughs> thing was spraying, right? Cuz he he would he spray a lot like of his everything, yeah. Yeah, and and that adds quite a bit. And I think, you know, we did the numbers and like it's actually cheaper just to add more labor and less materials kind of thing in the end, but Yeah, cuz
1: I yeah, I remember I was like breaking it down uh with you and him and we talked about cuz he said he sprayed a lot of fences and I was like, "Okay, like I mean that's good, but I mean if you brushed and rolled it and we like broke down the numbers and I was like you could have made like an extra 3 grand saving paint on on like the spraying of fences versus rolling and brushing them even with the labor increases and i think like after that talk he changed a couple things and his paint was like the lowest it had ever been by like a good five or six percent or something the next year just because he was a little bit more critical with um his paint and supplies cost he wasn't buying all this unnecessary shit and he was kind of being a little bit smarter with what projects he actually sprayed on versus like what he just brushed and rolled
0: well, yeah and, and 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 like i said like there's obviously like that's a big thing is uh understanding when you should and shouldn't spray you always want to consult your dm with that but uh, if you're a rookie and even as a vet um sometimes if you're not sure it's always good to ask but um the the like what i was saying is like there's some area some guys just do a lot more stucco you know like in general they just have more stucco and stucco like good fucking luck rolling stucco unless it's like super smooth. Good luck. Like yeah, no you thanks. don't have a choice with stucco. You have to spray and it's usually more efficient. And anyways, that way. So, um, but like, so it's like in those cases, of course, if you compare to guy who only like does a ton of stucco versus me, who does like a ton of, uh, you know, siding, like just wood siding kind of thing, we're going to have different percentages, but they should be about the same if we're, you know, doing things correctly, both of us. Right. Cause while his materials are higher his labor should be lower right um whereas mine's the opposite so um, you just always want to be between that 40 to 45 percent range when when you add the two together right and i think uh yeah i mean like every year i I, like my percent my profit percentage this year is obviously higher than it's been my first two years so far um without my production manager yet but uh obviously it'll go down then but uh yeah like it's 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 going pretty smoothly so
1: yeah that's awesome yeah i think it's uh profit's one of the biggest things that i think student Works really tries to drill into people's heads like it shouldn't be the sales that people focus on mostly it should be more the profit because i mean you could do 100 and you say like you you did 125 and i did 100 but i was like better with my materials i could still make more money than you it doesn't matter that you did 25k more in
0: sales yeah exactly yeah so, so and and I'd rather do a hundred grand than hundred and twenty five and make more money, like well, of course, yeah, less work doing less work, you're literally more money. Doing less work. Yeah. yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, whatever the client wants to do, you know, just quote it properly, but you know, just make sure you're making good money before you know, check your retail rates, like do do all that stuff.
1: You well know. make sure that you don't go buy all the paint that you've quoted. Make sure you start with thirty percent and even if it even if it seems pathetic, uh, like let's say you're doing like a full exterior and thirty percent of the, the quoted paint is like six gallons and you have this huge house, like that's okay. What if the wood's like not dry at all and the paint goes way further than you would have ever expected it to? And you only use seven gallons? Well at least you've kind of only bought six to start and you only have to buy one more than if you say bought fifty percent of the paint. Um, and bought eight gallons and now you have a gallon that you didn't even touch and that's like 42 dollars just down the drain because you can't return it
0: i actually had that last year i had a full wood siding and i thought it was drier like it looked dry to me but uh yeah i bought 30 percent we only ended up using i quoted like almost 30 gallons for it and we only ended up using about 12 i think 12 or 15 or something like that so uh, (laughs) like that's that's a lot of cash I, i i saved you know just from you know, other, otherwise, like, you know, again, obviously, I'd done a few of those siding, so I knew better than to buy it all. But if I had bought it all, I would have literally had, like, 20 gallons, like, just, like, to, with nothing to do with them, right?
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's always going to be easier to just order more paint than if you, again, like, finish the year and have 20 gallons of paint that you didn't use in your garage and you're sitting there thinking... Could have made an extra thousand dollars with this paint that's sitting right here. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you can try and resell it on someone, and like maybe that'll work, dependent upon the color. But um, I think that's one thing that's in our training manual, and a lot of people like kind of neglect t- to remember that when they start the year, because um, you always think that you're going to need more paint than you usually do. Yeah. Um, like I, I just kind of trained my painters at my house uh, on Monday this week, and I mean, I, I kind of know how much paint the house is going to buy. Uh, use to to kind of purchase when I went into the store, so I bought like ten gallons of paint. But our whole like upstairs minus two bedrooms only used like three and a half four gallons. But if I would have quoted it, it probably would have told me
0: to use like six or seven upstairs, just because of our our standards. So, but we the and the reason for that is uh, I think the other thing to really understand the reason why we're meant to overquote a little bit on product is because there's unforeseen things right and that's that's what makes us so good as a as like a business is the fact that whatever happens on your project we're still happy to make it right because we do leave that buffer you know just so that we're not in the end like scurrying trying to make a little bit like just break even on the job or whatever no like we know we're always going to make money sometimes you're going to make a little less than usual but like that's why the buffer is there. Right. Um, well, there's a couple
1: buffers. I mean, we have like the paint buffer. It's, it's pretty much always over but it helps with the profitability in the calculation. Um, but we also have like a, we have a buffer for the credit card fee. Like that's just profit that you can keep if you get a check, you yeah. know? Um, if you get checks all summer, um, imagine how much more money you're going to save. Like sometimes, uh, credit card fees can go from like, $500 to like $4,000 and that's like completely in your control of just simply asking like hey by chance did you have a check just cuz we really like to try and limit the transaction th- fees throughout the summer as much as we possibly can cuz obviously doing as many projects as we do they do add up quite quickly and like simply just saying a line like that a lot of clients are going to be like oh yeah like you need to make money
0: like of course I like let's do that. Well, yeah. And, and, and yeah, that was a big one. Like in my first year, I, uh, I had a pretty decent, like I was pretty good at getting checks for the most part, but my, my credit card fee was about 1300 or 1400 at the end of the year. So about half of my clients uh, on a hundred K business had done credit card transactions, which I was pretty happy with. I think that's a pretty decent number. However, I really upped it last year and really tried to, you know, just kind of, kind of, kind of push for it just a little bit more, like just kindly, you know, like asking a little bit, like I, my first year I didn't always ask, like sometimes I'd be like, yeah, sure. Whatever. We'll do credit card. My second year, I almost always asked. And my second year credit card fees were about 1700 on a a double the business. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. So like, you know, it saved a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a big one. Like
1: I actually had a client who like ripped out their credit card to book a job last week. And they're like, yeah, might as well get the points. And instead of just being like, okay, which like maybe I would have done my first year because I was excited to book the job. I was just like, hey, like, um, that's awesome. Um, we can take credit card for this one. But like if if possible, could we get a check for like the end of the job if you don't have one today? Um, just because we really, again, try tried, tried to skip transaction fees as much as possible because they do add up over the summer, you know as a student i'm trying to limit all of those costs as much as possible and she was just like oh i have a check like let me just go get one like totally get
0: that yeah some (laughs) people don't even like think that we would take a check like i like a lot of the time they're like oh geez i i guess yeah i could do check like i haven't written a check in like you know 10 years and it's like because it is kind of old school but um a lot of people just don't even think about it you know unless you let them know that that's an option you know
1: yeah. And I mean, another great thing, too, is like say they only have a credit card for the first one and, and they're like, oh, we don't we don't have any checks. Um, you can always ask, like, hey, for the end of the job, is there any way that you could get like a bank draft made up for us or a bank transfer? Because um, by taking that, we actually don't have fees associated with it. And like I know it's going to be like 750 for you. So like I'm happy to knock off like 10 bucks off the job if you can do that for the end of the payment, because it's going to save me a lot of money on that transaction fee. And usually they're they're even happy to do that, you know, like they're happy to like try and help you.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, there's all these little little things that go into, you know, like this is what running a business is. You're you're just budgeting and and uh, making sure that you are making money, you know, because it doesn't matter at the end of the day, like you said, it doesn't matter how much revenue you you bring in if if you're not making good money, you know. So. Number one in business always you, you. know, you gotta, you gotta, business gotta profit. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I've like, I think like have a pretty good system for for trying to like track all those things. But, you know, like our yellow sheets are fantastic tools. On the back of them, they break down where you should be, and as long as you follow those and, and you're very strict with yourself and your business about following those numbers on the back of
0: that yellow sheet, um, it's pretty easy. And putting them into Simon right because you can also track. like once you've got it once the job's done everything everything you've put on your yellow sheet just put it into simon like that night that way it's all in if you lose that paper you know it's all in there and then simon actually does the numbers for you and you can actually see what your average profit percentage is on each job right so they even have a
1: cool like uh i don't know if you've seen this part but like there's a Cool part at the bottom of your job section. I don't know if it's on the new Simon, but it used to like give you like a green highlighted section if you had like 30 plus percent, and then like orange if it was between like 25 to 30 or something, I think and it's then, like uh, red if it was like below that or, or I, something I like think, that.
0: No, no, I think what it is is it's uh, green if you're below what you quoted
1: oh okay like yeah, I, I think okay. it,
0: i think it's green if you make more money than what you originally quoted for it okay so yeah i wasn't sure how it worked but i think that's how it works and then it's like orange if you're right on but like within ten dollars or something and then it's red if you're more okay i think
1: yeah but very cool tool um also this is like a tip that i think gavin said on our last zoom call that he got from ryan beach but um when you get uh, a price copy receipt at the paint Star, you know, like sometimes it takes them three or four minutes to actually go get your paint and stuff for you. You can simply just take that sheet input it into assignment under the customer job name. And you don't even have to ever worry about losing a receipt. There you go. Yeah. Super simple. Like you get the receipt. It's obviously under a job name. You just input it right there and then, and you're never going to like have an expense that you miss. Cause that's a big one. Like sometimes you finish a job and you're like, Oh, look at this. Like you know, I, I finished this job. I made 33%. That's fantastic. But like, you forgot that hundred dollar, uh, receipt for, for those extra three gallons of paint that you bought. And now like you are actually like only making like 28%, but it's just been improperly
0: calculated. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then what happens is, uh, you know, when you, when you go to your, your BPM, you miscalculate how much money you can take out, you know, and it's just, yeah. So super important track, all those things. Um, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's always a concern. Um, when we start the year is like, Oh, am I going to make money on, you know, cause obviously we, we don't, we literally only make money on how we budget basically. Um, but yeah, just getting things going and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of just remembering how, how things are done and seeing it come together, you know, like seeing, like I did, you know, a couple of yellow sheets, uh, from, from this week and, and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, nice. Like, that's good money, you know, and start to remember, shit, I made. how much? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like, and then, and then it, I don't know, like I literally, I, I did the yellow sheet for this one job and I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. Like I got to keep, like, if I just, you know, keep doing this kind of thing and running things this way, I'm going to make so much money this year. You know? Kind of just reminds you that you're making money. you know.
1: Yeah. And I think another big one, um, just kind of running back to the job site quickly, just before we kind of move on from the topic, I guess, but the biggest thing I think that helps, um, both your labor and your supplies from like really sitting between what you're hoping for, like around the forty-five percent mark, is ensuring that your painters actually have everything they need to produce a job. Um, it's very simple to like not want to buy that extra like twenty-dollar piece of equipment um, because it's like twenty bucks that you don't want to spend. But you know if that twenty dollars is going to save you like three or four trips throughout the summer, um, that's huge.
0: Or uh, even, even like, uh, I, I spent, like, 150 bucks last year on, like, a pivot tool, which was huge. Like, just such a great tool. I'm probably going to buy another one this year, you know? There's so many, like, not, I call them non-negotiables, and I don't even think about buying them because it's, like, we need it, you know, symbol. I mean, paint's technically one of those things. It's kind of annoying when you have to buy, a li- like, one of the jobs, funny enough. I still made good money, but, like, we had basically probably, like maybe 80 square feet of wall left and we ran right out of paint. Like it was, it was so frustrating and I so I had to go get one that more sucks. gallon. You know, it was just the worst. so frustrating with that. But it but it is what it is, non-negotiable. But yeah, don't sweat like if you need a freaking 8 8 foot pole, like get an 8 foot pole. Like don't be a cheap ass when it comes to that thing. Also, if you're if you're between like in that case where I was at 80 square feet, in my first year I had a similar case and I went and bought a court. And then it wasn't enough and then I ended up buying another and it's just like it, don't be cheap you know don't cheap out on that kind of thing just get it spend the extra ten dollars to make sure it gets done right well the biggest thing that like I've
1: done for my business that saved me like so much time in my second and third year and this is definitely something that like I wouldn't suggest to business owners who don't plan to do kind of like I don't know like 150 plus but um I bought like all of my crews like two-step stools you know um two extension poles Uh, i I bought everyone a vacuum because the biggest headache for me personally that i found was like waking up and figuring out who needed what extension poles like i only had like four so it's like who's going to get them today you know (laughs) yeah um and the amount of times the painters would be like oh like we could have sped up but like we we didn't have a second step stool so like we i had to wait for him consistently to like finish cutting before i could use it and it's like all these like little pain points that my cruise kind of gave me feedback for like I just went I think it cost me like 300 bucks um to buy all of this stuff but the amount of time it actually saved me like driving back and forth and like the headaches it saved me of figuring out who needed step stools each day and who needed poles and like are we working on a job big enough that like they need a vacuum or can I just give them like a a broom and a dustpan it was just so much grief um so I mean in the same instance like if you're going to be running enough big enough business like if you're going to be doing 150 you're probably going to make between like 40 to 50 grand what's 300 dollars in the grand scheme of things if it's going to save you like 10 hours during the summer you know
0: exactly yeah no it's uh if you can just uh you know like spend a little bit more money up front uh to, to save you that you know gas money even like it, a lot of it gets paid back just in gas money from not having to make multiple trips to job sites per day right um so yeah just you know that that, that's a great piece of advice buying buying those equipment obviously you need a little bit of uh, capital to work with to to do that kind of thing but
1: yeah and i mean if you can't buy it until like the end of may when you've actually started making some money that's cool um just explain to your painters like hey um this is my plan but for right now like i just need like we need some jobs to finish so that i can actually put this investment into you guys Um, so like, know it's coming, but for now, like we're just going to operate on, on this system. And then, you know, when I can afford to like really get you guys like all the amazing equipment that like you guys really need to like just start crushing budgets, um, I can get that for you. And then June, July, and August, like you guys are just going to be just rolling, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, uh, let's talk about leads, um, like, and, and just like the influx of leads,
1: you know? what about them (laughs) well we
0: were talking about before the podcast uh like i I know uh, one one of the things that we uh kind of were discussing was especially around this time of year it can be easy to to kind of neglect those leads that you maybe got like a month ago and uh you haven't heard back from them um especially if you're still getting a good influx of leads and you're still scheduling lots of estimates i know i know that's been a thing for me this year um where I've probably had a lot of leads maybe slip through the cracks. Uh, so, that didn't need to. Yeah.
1: So, I'm just looking at my stats from last week. Uh, last week was a fantastic week, by the way, for my leads. Um, but I was extremely busy um, with getting some stuff done with production. I was training people, um, I was finishing up school, and I had some other like personal things going on. But I got 34 leads last week. And i was only able to call like 25 of them i like messaged the others saying like hey like i'm so sorry like i'll be able to get to you next week so like i definitely followed up with everyone but those seven leads like you know like if i let those seven slip through the crack even at like a 20 percent conversion rate that's an extra like one and a half quotes you know that's an extra job booked and if you do that every week all year like you're leaving quite a few thousand thousands of dollars on the table um like for example, for sixteen weeks, if if I was to book one job every sixteen weeks, that's an extra sixty grand almost at my average job size right now. And that's a lot a lot of work being left on the table. So like and, and I mean currently in Simon and this is a terrible statistic, but I have over a hundred leads that like I haven't got a hold of. And uh I mean that's a lot of of uh influx, but sometimes like you need to stop worrying about bringing in leads and you need to start worrying about actually converting them because i mean you're putting a lot of work and like sometimes in like me and jacob's case like money into actually getting these
0: leads yeah well and and that's uh super key like definitely i've forgotten that uh i've had uh, like i'll definitely admit that i've had a lot of leads this year that i'll call once and they won't pick up and, uh, and because like, I, I just, I, I have consistently been getting like fresh leads. I'll call the next set of leads the next day. I'll schedule like maybe five estimates. And then I, I'm like, well, I don't need to call that person back. You know, if they want a quote, they can call me, but you know, following up, it's always stressed like, I feel like we, we've talked about it, like on our Zoom calls a bunch, but it's always stressed, like, you know, the importance of following up because you never know, like what could be waiting for you on the other side of that phone. And, um, and I think I've definitely been pretty personally and, and, you know, it sounds like you too, but I think because I've been getting so many fresh leads consistently, I've been kind of neglecting a lot of those leads that I got back in March that just didn't, didn't answer and uh, you know like you I have uh, about a hundred and just over a hundred leads that I haven't reached that's just ridiculous you it know? is ridiculous <laughs> and and uh, you know when you when you look at uh, my average sales per estimate about 1600 bucks like even if I get one like if I get like you said 20% of those hundred leads that's an extra 20k 20-30k I could have booked by now but you know you're right like sometimes, uh, sometimes you just got to realize like okay I don't need to get 30 leads this week i need to call the 100 leads i have you know Um, yes (laughs) or you know if they're dead leads because some of those leads in there are dead like some of them have said no uh, or said they want to be called next year or whatever um so you know for sure there's those cases but delete them right (laughs) get them out of there because it almost stresses me out having to scroll through all my leads you know well it's like yeah
1: (laughs) jesus um like the follow-up dates are just you see like april 15th and you're like oh shit i didn't call them on april yeah 15th. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah because um, it's like they're yeah.
0: and it sucks because it's like you don't want to say like oh you're not important to me but like you know, it's hard to, to remember, though, like when you have so many 30 leads in a week, you know, I, I got like 20 last week. Like, I think we've consistently this year been getting like 15 to 20 or so leads per week. That's a lot of leads to keep track of.
1: Right. Well, when you're trying to like set up first calls with those and but you also are trying to do 10 to 12 quotes a week and you're also trying to set up production. um Being able to get to, like, 30 calls on top of all those other, like, little things. And this is what we mean by, like, when production starts, your time really kind of gets taken. Um, So really focus on getting as much as you possibly can out of your leads before you start production. Because it is going to be a huge time grab. But, yeah, like, you kind of, like, run out of time. And, like, a couple of them actually said, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's not a rush. Like, just call me next week. So I just, like, pushed those people to next week. But, I mean, I could have easily just as easily not have actually even contacted them until next week and now like it looks really like poor on on me as a business owner because when my uh cold callers go out i tell them like hey like let them know i'm gonna call them the next day or yeah. or, the, or the day after that and like what time works best for them on one of those two days and like if i don't follow up on those two days like now i look like a very disorganized business owner
0: yeah exactly yeah and and uh you know a, a lot of people are are uh for the most part like don't care as much but it it can it's just like how you know it's like like we always say like how you do anything is how you do everything so it's important to be prompt but yeah it's super easy i know for me like if i've got 10 estimates already for next week i'm not gonna make those extra calls i i don't know about you but like no you know what i mean like it's like (laughs) if you if you've got a good amount of estimates for the following week you're just like all right cool I'll call these guys on uh, Sunday. I know I've got more time then. But well, it's a like,
1: comfortability level, you know, like when you look at your Simon and you have like 20 leads set up or like 20 estimates. estimates in your schedule and you're like, oh, like that's a lot of quotes. Awesome. <laughs> but I mean, imagine like how good you'd feel if like you had those 20 and then you spent those three hours calling people and you were scheduled out to the middle of May for quotes. Yeah. Like anytime you get a lead, like you telling them you can't even come out for two weeks, like that just shows like
0: how busy and how like, like wanted your services also are. how organized you are yeah definitely right because a lot of contractors will say well i'll give you a call in a couple of weeks and we'll find it find a day that week you know <laughs> so yeah it's definitely like an organization thing but yeah it's yeah i know that's something i've been struggling with uh definitely need to be better with that because um, you, you know like it's it's very it's bad <laughs> <laughs>
1: well it's stressful because like again especially with us since we're paying people to go out and do that um, it, It's honestly just like throwing money away that like you could be actually making. Um, It's definitely a little bit different if you're not paying people, but it's still a lot of time that you're investing into your business and that like you're not fully taking advantage of. Um, In September, like, you know, you look back at your leads or uh, your you logged leads for the year and I bet you if you're looking at like 50 to 60 leads that you didn't call, you're going to feel kind of shitty about how much extra work you could have got because you realize like, how much money you actually make on jobs once you start producing them yeah so it's yeah it's definitely something tough to look at so i mean bringing in leads consistently is very important but you know like it's almost just as important to to use the leads that you've actually sourced and there's like there's lots of money sitting in your assignment you just have to go and get it exactly
0: yeah yeah no you just got to dial those pick up the phone and Start talking, right?
1: <laughs> well, and even following up with like previous estimates, like I called an estimate that I thought was like a long shot gone, and they told me they wanted to book with me, and I was like, oh, and they're like, yeah, we're just waiting for you to call back. Yeah. So like it's, it's sometimes it's that yeah. simple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I
0: was wondering what I was going to hear from you. Like. Yeah. It's
1: like oh, like yeah. I just thought you
0: would follow up with me if you wanted to do it. But so people don't have your numbers sometimes, right? Like that's a common one. Like they forget it's on the quote. Yeah. Yeah, or they lose the quote. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's definitely important to follow up because some people it's literally that simple. So yeah, that's, uh, and, and then the, I, I guess on top of that, just a quick note to, before we end it is, uh, pendings as well. Um, I know once you start doing a lot of estimates, especially if you have a pretty good booking percentage, it's easy to forget about those pendings. Um, especially if you weren't super confident in the pendings, but again, you never know, right? Like it's, it's important to call those pendings. You never know you know what could happen right like I a couple weeks ago had a guy you know he contacted me but he also rejected me so maybe this is a bad example but still like I totally wasn't expecting this guy to go with it and he he did you know um so that could happen just as easily with a pending that you call
1: well yeah and, and especially if you have a high booking percentage um I feel like it's a little bit of an ego thing. It's like, oh, like, I don't need to call you. Like, I'm going to book the next three out of four quotes that I'm doing anyway. Yeah. But, you know, like, just making those calls, um, sometimes their position has changed. You know, like, maybe when you did the quote, you didn't know it, but they were, like, still waiting for their tax return. And they were kind of, like, iffy about it because, like, they didn't know how much money they'd actually have. You know, you follow up with them in May. They filed their taxes. They got money back maybe. Now they're in a position to actually do some stuff.
0: Well, you know, y- yeah, I mean, there's that. There's uh, last year I booked a pending, um, uh, you know, bad of me. But I went into the quote. The guy said he had to get a couple other quotes, so I just kind of wrote it off. I uh, didn't really, I didn't really think about it. Then a couple weeks later, I thought, okay, I'll call him. Three weeks later, or something like that. And uh, no, sorry, I called him two weeks later. He was still waiting on a quote, so I called him a week later. And he actually ended up going with me simply because I was like the only person who followed up with him.
1: Yeah. That's crazy.
0: He's like, he's like, yeah, the other guys haven't like contacted me since the quotes. So obviously you want the job. Let's <laughs> right.
1: Well, it's true. It's, it's like, sometimes you need to ask for it. Yeah. You know, like when you go into a quote, if you get to the end of your agreement and you just kind of, you can just sit in there and you don't ask for the project, like they're probably not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, you got to say like, Hey, like, is this something you want to go ahead with? Like, it's it's very simple. But, like, when you ask for things, sometimes...
0: It's simple if you've set the right expectations. That's yeah. not another note. Like, it's a lot harder if you haven't set the expectation that you're going to be asking for the job. But if you've already set the expectation that you're going to be expecting a yes or no, super easy just to say, all right, what do you think? You want to go with it or not? <laughs>
1: yeah, right. seriously. I mean, sometimes you've done such a fantastic job. And this is, this is kind of one of my favorite closes, is, like, I mean, I like to explain things like... lot and like sometimes when i get to the end of the job i don't even like say anything and they're just like all right yep," and like they close themselves and that's like the best feeling is like you obviously know you've done your job you set your expectations like so well that like they already know that by the time you finish talking they're going to be like ready to give you 20 percent yeah that's cool so yeah i mean i think like the biggest thing um with, with leads is just don't let them go to waste you know like you work hard for them you spend money on them whether you're throwing out flyers or sending out money letters or paying cold callers, paying cold callers, you know, the time that you put into it, your time is worth money. So, you know, just don't look at your leads column and be like, Oh, I wish I had more quotes. Like, I mean, you could have more quotes if you just called all your leads. Most likely I bet you if I ran through my quotes right now or all my leads, I could probably set up another 10 to 15 quotes. Do I have time for that right now? No, but you know, I've, I've really tried to work over the last week on like, delegating my time where any kind of new leads i set like two hours aside for first calls the next day and like that's just the slot that i do it yeah you know and like again it comes down to scheduling like you need to stay organized and even if even if you have old leads like schedule two hours to call old leads whatever that looks like because at the end of the summer it's going to be like very very worth it when you put that time in
0: yeah exactly and uh and and you won't have to do as much marketing at the end like near the end of the summer in the second half of the summer right because you'll already have booked more work so yeah it's it's definitely use your leads don't forget to call them um don't be like us but (laughs) yeah
1: yeah awesome well yeah i think we covered a a couple awesome topics today um making sure you're tracking your materials, your paint costs, making sure that you don't budge on your labor because you know, like you've quoted it, you know what you're talking about. Um, so make sure that you're you're staying strict with your with your budgets throughout the summer. Really trying to stay around that forty five percent and use your yellow sheets appropriately because that's what's going to help you make a lot of money this summer. Uh, and then also with your leads, you know, making sure that you're taking advantage of them and not letting them go to waste because. When, you, when you're sitting there looking at your schedule in September, you're definitely going to reflect back on it and really appreciate the fact that you put in that extra hour or two hours once a week to to get that extra 15 or, or 20 grand throughout the summer. So thank you guys for tuning in today, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
0: Hey listeners, thank you for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to click the subscribe button and give us a follow at The Edge Pod on Instagram. We hope you have an amazing week, push for your goals, and remember, stay off your ass.